0: Welcome to mixed martial arts.
1: Wow, wouldn't it be crazy if uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be a, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter? So like, let's see if we could just turn this I'm, sure, so would, I'm sure if
0: it would have happened I would have been much better than than, than this much know? better
1: than this you're the fucking champion what are yeah, you talking yeah but about? if I
0: would be alien manufacturer
1: I would be <laughs> superman you know
0: Hello ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 43 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. This is a very special episode because this marks the one year anniversary of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. I did my first episode before UFC 218 that happened on December 2nd of 2017, so it is now December 5th today. So that makes one year on the Martian MMA podcast. It has been, you know, a great, great journey. I've appreciated every single listener that has tuned in, every single person that has given me some criticisms, uh, you know, constructive criticisms are always welcome on the podcast. I'm always interested in making the show better. So if you ever have any criticisms of the show, just reach out to me on uh, Reddit or Twitter at UFO UFC, and uh, I'm very, like I said, very open to suggestions. Would love to make the podcast better if any of you have any ideas so uh, with that being said we are going to get into the two UFC cards that happened this past weekend and also break down predict and analyze every single fight on the UFC 231 pay-per-view going down in Toronto Ontario Canada this Saturday night but starting things off like we do always on the Martian MMA podcast we're going to recap the UFC events that went down the prior weekend fortunately this weekend or last weekend excuse me we had two events that I believe 25 fights went down this past weekend, and uh, you know it was a great weekend for fighting. We also had the Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury boxing fight that uh, that my guest Jim and I will talk on later in the podcast. Jim joins me for the main card portion of this podcast, so if you're looking to uh, to hear the Jim Sauer portion of this podcast, then uh, I will, of course, give you a timestamp uh, in the description on YouTube or on Twitter or wherever you're finding this video, there should be a timestamp stamp so uh if you're looking for that portion just fast forward to where you see it but starting things off we are going to be recapping the ultimate fighter finale that went down in las vegas nevada on friday this past friday night november 30th so starting things off we had honey barcelos win via rear naked choke defeating chris gutierrez in this one uh pretty dominant performance from, from barcelos in this one i believe it's one of his uh, the first submission of his career if i'm correct and uh, he looked you know he looked like he knew what he was doing on the ground so he uh you know, obviously, his it was his second submission of his career. But, man, really slick choke in this one. He had Chris Gutierrez beat. Uh, this was a huge uh, test for Gutierrez to make his uh, UFC debut. And um, he did not look very impressive in there either. So uh, moving on to the next fight, we had Tim Means absolutely run through Ricky Rainey, uh, TKO'ing him uh, Only about 80 seconds into this fight Just very dominant performance from Tim Means The dude has still got it He's getting that consistency down And he's uh, you know really coming into his own I believe in, even though he's a little bit later Into his career And you know Ricky Rainey just proved to not be really UFC uh, caliber And after his second straight loss in the UFC I imagine that he will be cut uh, Next fight we had Roosevelt Roberts really shining in his UFC debut Running through Daryl Horcher uh, Roberts you know his takedowns look really good against a, a wrestler in Horcher and his you know submissions eventually get in the tap uh, with about 10 seconds left in the round in this one uh, again Horcher is probably not going to be re-signed after this one I believe it's his third loss in a row um, it could be wrong uh, no it's not his third loss in a row but he does have uh, a 1-3 record in the UFC so no doubt he will be getting cut after this one uh, he's not really that great of a fighter so not nothing uh, to cry about there Next fight, uh, Leah Leston defeated Julia Storylenko. We didn't even preview this fight last week on the podcast because it was it was just announced. Uh, uh, Leah Leston won this one pretty comfortably. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, this was a split decision. Somehow somebody gave this fight uh, to Storylenko but uh less than you know her striking looked pretty decent in there but um you know she was fighting a pretty low level opponent so uh you know i don't really hold too much credit in that in that uh victory so uh another fight that was not announced on the podcast when we made it last week was maurice green taking on uh michelle batista maurice green got the tap uh with a triangle choke very rare triangle choke in the heavyweight division in this one so nice performance from green submitting a very accomplished wrestler an olympic wrestler at that so his submission game is obviously very deadly and uh he'll might might be one to look out for in the heavyweight division the next fight in the flyweight division we had joseph benavidez tko alex perez in the first round just a very impressive performance from joseph benavidez getting his first finish in a while uh you know he was facing a young uh, uh young great boxer with great output power uh was coming in on a, a little bit of a hot streak and benavidez you know at the the ripe age of 34 uh looked you know almost as good as ever he uh was really really looking good in there and he actually already has a fight uh his next fight announced against Davison figueredo in uh ufc 233 so looks like he's uh trying to stay active and i you know, can't blame him one one a little bit on just a benavidez and it was just a great fight Next fight, a very shocking performance from Kevin Aguilar defeating Rickland by unanimous decision. I didn't really give to uh, Kevin Aguilar that much credit that last week, but uh, man, he really improved his game uh, since he got got to the UFC. He looked great in his UFC debut. He got really fast hands, uh, good power, and uh, you know was able to d- defeat Rickland very comfortably in this one. So uh, great debut for Kevin Aguilar. Uh, in the next fight, we had Antonio Antonio Antonina Shevchenko defeat Jiyeon Kim. Uh, Jeon Kim is uh, one of the worst skilled fighters that has ever fought in the UFC No doubt about it Shevchenko really just outstruck her at will Very easy fight for her Didn't really chase the finish unfortunately I really didn't like that She was fighting one of the worst fighters on the roster And easily could have probably finished her She was winning the striking so easily And uh, she just could not get that finish So that's not a good sign for the future for Shevchenko Regardless, a pretty pretty, uh, decent debut for her the next fight, another fighter making their UFC debut, we had Edmund Shabazian, Shabazian defeat Darren Stewart by de- decision in this one. Uh, this was a little bit of a questionable decision. It was split. I really thought that Darren Stewart won this fight. The first fight, um, the first round of the fight. Edmund was really holding on to Stewart pressing him up against the cage trying to get a takedown but not really having much success and the only real significant moment of the first round was Darren Stewart landing a, a flurry of punches that looked to have rocked Edmond and having him move, a, move back significantly across the cage. Um, but uh, somehow some judges still gave that round to Edmund, uh, you know, just for holding him. It was really a terrible scoring, honestly. The second round, Edmund was able to get him down and control the grappling a little more decisively and win that round, and in the third round, Darren Stewart almost, uh, almost finished Edmund in this one. It was a really, uh, he, he had him really hurt, and the, the ref was warning Edmund to move multiple times and to defend himself multiple times. He he was absolutely gassed and about to get finished, but Stewart was pretty gassed of his own and really just couldn't string enough to, uh, ground and pound together to get the finish. So I thought Darren Stewart won's round one and three. Honestly, I could have seen giving him a 10-8 round three, you know, two warnings from the referee to defend yourself or to move. Seems like he was pretty close to finishing, you, right? Uh, but, you know, the rest of the round wasn't too dominant, so I could see how it could still be 10-9. Regardless, a minimum, it should have been 29-28 for Stewart, so... Pretty bad decision in that one. Edmund did not look very impressive. His wrestling looked pretty lackluster, and his striking, he didn't seem like he wanted to strike with Darren Stewart at all in this one after getting tagged in the first round. So, uh, you know, kind of underwhelming debut from him. The next fight, we had an onslaught from Pedro Munoz. Just running through Brian Caraway in the first round by TKO. Uh, Pedro Munoz was you know just look really really uh, slick in this one Caraway didn't really look like too comfortable in there and I saw the look on his face and was able to hit a live bet for a little bit on uh, on the fight not going the distance and sure enough uh, Munoz finished him a little bit later people were content protesting that it was an early stoppage but I did not really find that narrative I think Caraway like I said was didn't really want to be in there and it showed and he was hurt and uh, I really don't see him coming back from it um, next fight in the Ultimate Fighter finale for the women's featherweight division, we had Macy Chasson defeat Penzi Kinziad by rear Nikachoga in the second round. Really dominant grappling performance from uh, Macy Chasson in this one, even though her opponent has, you know, uh, 14 or 13 MMA fights compared to her two. She was able to uh, win this one and get her th- th- third win, uh, undefeated record of 3-0 and able to secure that contract uh and i believe i don't know if she was a uh, i think she's a natural 145 er so uh seems like they have a little bit of competition in the 145 pound division now in the heavyweight uh final for the ultimate fighter we had juan espino defeat justin frazier via americana uh from the mount in uh, the first round uh you know nice grappling in this one from espino his uh, his opponent justin frazier was a pretty low level honestly his ground game looked really bad and his striking didn't look any good either can't believe the odds were so close in this one but uh espino getting that contract at the young age of 38 um you know in the heavyweight division honestly that's not even that old and in the main event, we had Kamar Usman defeat Rafael Dos Andres by a dominant, dominant decision. Just uh, re- looking really good on the feet. His his striking looked good. He was able to strike with and win the striking with Rafael Dos Anjos. His takedowns were there. He was, you know, using uh, relentless wrestling. He His cardio looked a lot better, and his pace looked a lot better, too. So, so great performance from uh, Usman in this one. Uh, dos Anjos, man, just running into uh, some brick walls lately with his opponents. They're just really incredible wrestlers and, uh, you know, just tough, tough tough fight. so uh tough to be dosanjos but uh you know very good performance from camaro usman and moving along to the australia fight night card that went down the next night saturday night from adelaide australia starting things off we had damir ismagalov uh defeat alex Gorgis by decision uh damir just looked really dominant in this one his wrestling was there his striking was looking good uh kind of upset he didn't finish this one you know the finish was clearly there he was much much better than his opponent and uh, not really a good sign that he didn't ch- chase the finish in this one unfortunately um don't really understand why he didn't his opponent was just levels levels below him in the striking and the grappling i think he could have finished it either uh Either on the feet or on the floors, but he did not do that for some reason. I was just content to win his uh, UFC debut by decision. Next fight, we had Christos Diagos defeat uh, Mitsoto Hirota in a really forgettable decision. I really honestly don't remember too much about the fight. I believe he uh, took him down and controlled him on the ground the entire time. Next fight, the fight of the night, we had Kai Car France defeat Elias Garcia in a very action-packed decision. Kai Car France looking really good in his debut. Uh, Elias Garcia was looked uh, really competitive in there for being a, such a big underdog. He you know had some really close submission threats, a couple that were really really close, man, an armbar and a triangle that both were almost fully locked in. It seemed like, but Kai Car France was able to fight them off, and uh, you know pick up stronger in the fight. Maybe even have a 10-8 round in the last round. Uh, he was. Uh, fairly dominant in this one the only issue i have with it is there was a l- good amount of strikes to the back of the head uh that elias garcia was eating uh, i really don't understand what the ref was looking at when he was allowing these punches to happen but there uh, i want to say garcia ate at least 10 punches to the back of the head that the ref should have said something about but Regardless, very impressive performance from of France. In the next fight, we had Keita Nakamura defeat Slim Duhari. Another uh, very forgettable decision. I think this was split somehow, but Nakamura won the fight very clearly. Uh, next fight, we had Wilson Hayes defeat Ben Nguyen by decision. A very decisive decision in this one. Uh, Hayes just outgrappled grappled Nguyen for 15 minutes in this one. His wrestling was looking good. His control was looking good, and he was able to win on all three scorecards. Uh, Alexey Konchenko defeated Yushin Okami by decision a lot of decisions in this one I think the first six fights or yes yeah, six fights were decision uh Yushin Okami was shooting for uh, d- uh takedowns the entire time when Konchenko stuffed every single one of his takedowns wasn't really looking to punishing on the feet in this one but his takedown defense was just absolutely incredible in this one and was able to negate all of Okami's offense uh winning a clear decision um uh, Alexey Konchenko has still yet to impress me as much as he did in M1 Global, though. He has looked uh, quite underwhelming in the UFC. Uh, or he's looked safe. He's, uh, you know, his fight with Thiago Alves, he might have lost that one. That was underwhelming. But this fight was, you know, pretty technically sound. Uh, next fight, we had Jim Crute defeat Paul Craig via uh, Kimura uh, with 9 seconds left in the fight. 15, 14 minutes and 51 seconds into the fight, he ended up getting the tap out of Paul Craig. Kind of similar to Paul Craig's last fight, but he uh, he got the tap in that one but a pretty dominant performance from the crew in this one he uh you know his grappling looked very good his top pressure looked good his cardio looked decent but uh you know his uh his striking is a little underwhelming i would say uh i would say he's pretty sloppy on the feet Um, Next fight, we had Sadiq Youssef run through Suman Moketarian in the first round. His striking looked really powerful in this one, Uh, you know, really stiff punches. Uh, Suman was complaining about the the stoppage in this one. You know, I think it was a little bit early. He was standing on his feet, you know, covering up his head, defending himself pretty well. He was eating a lot, uh, you know, a lot of the shots were missing that uh, Youssef was throwing, but I think that he would have probably went down in about 5 to 10 more seconds. But the ref should have let him go down. I think it was a bit of an early stoppage next fight we had Anthony Rocco Martin defeat Jake Matthews in a very competitive fight Jake Matthews was uh, able to stun uh, Martin in the first round when they were swinging and uh, swinging wild punches He had knocked Martin on his ass for a little bit and won that round. Um, uh, Martin came back in the second round and started finding his rhythm more with his uh, nice jab, and leg kicks were landing really hard. And uh, and that was 1-1 heading into the third, and uh, Jake Matthews shot for a takedown, and Anthony Martin was able to cinch up an anaconda choke and get the tap. So very, very nice submission from Anthony Martin in this one. It was a good live betting opportunity, and, uh, you know, uh, Martin is just continuing to look better and better, man. This guy is in his fucking prime right now. He's looking really, really good. Uh, and I hope to see him against a, a top opponent uh, next, a, a ranked opponent in his next fight. Uh, in the next fight, we had Justin Willis defeat Mark Hunt in just a brutal, brutal, low output, terrible decision. Uh, you know, Mark Hunt's last fight in UFC in front of his home crowd, and he just totally shit the bed, looked terrible on there. Looked like he needed some special supplements, and Mark Hunt said that he would be uh, he would be uh, leaving the UFC after this fight. We all knew that his contract was up, and the UFC was definitely not resigning him at 44 years of age, and after all of the troubles that Mark Hunt and the UFC have had in the past couple of years, and he said, I will see you guys some uh, somewhere else, and indicating that he will be going to another promotion, probably rising or one fc of some sort somewhere where he can do some special supplements and feel a little better and get some of that power back but um you know uh, even justin Mills didn't really show too much in this fight um, next fight we had uh marisho shogun hua with a humongous humongous underdog win almost a four to one underdog in this one against tyson pedro tyson pedro is one of the worst fighters on the roster man just terrible terrible iq he had Mauricio out of it and hurt in the first round. He was so so hurt, and he just couldn't finish. And he ended up dropping the second round, gassing himself out, and then Mauricio Shogun who landed a huge punch that dropped him in the third round and finished up with some ground and pound to get the finish. So just an incredible comeback from uh, Shogun in this one. You know, uh, he was a six to one underdog, I think, after the fr- after the second round, and uh, you know Shogun just turning back the clock in this one. Pedro, man, uh, I, the dude might the dude might need to be cut. Honestly, he he's terrible. He's so so bad. Um, I like the dude a lot. He's he's a cool guy. His podcast is great, but man, he's a bad fighter. Um, speaking of bad fighters, his buddy Tai Tuivasa lost in the main event to Junior dos Santos via TKO. Toivoso was looking good in the first round, but he was just started swinging wild and getting too crazy in the second round and uh, ended up getting dropped himself. And then uh, Junior Dos Santos and was ended up mounting him and getting the TKO finish in there. Toivoso looked terrible on the ground, was trying to punch from being mounted. It was just a terrible, terrible uh, defense and ended up getting him finished in the second round. So it was a good weekend of fights. Um, I was kind of breezing through them. Didn't want to dwell on them too long because we got ourselves a hell of a UFC pay-per-view coming up this Saturday night going on from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Uh, UFC 231, features right now it's it's 12 fights they're looking to make a 13th one of the fights the first fight of the night carlos diego ferreira versus jesse ronson uh was uh, was uh, pulled jesse ronson showed up a little bit too heavy to fight weak, apparently he showed up at 175 pounds for a 155 pound fight honestly i really don't think that's that high of a weight to show up at i think guys cut that much weight all the time but i guess ontario's commission is pretty strict up there so um never a bad thing to see though Uh, in the uh, so the UFC is looking for a replacement for Carlos Diego Ferreira. I'll still give my notes on him. He's uh, you know, he's a very crisp striker. He's got good boxing, good uh, some good ground game as well. He's pretty well rounded. He's got good cardio. His last win was a little bit of a fluke in my opinion. He he knocked out Jared Gordon in uh, around two minutes of the first round, but. He landed two absolutely flush nut shots within a minute of the fight, and you know there, there's no way that, that 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 didn't affect the fight a little bit. I mean, the, the first one was just straight up clean as it gets, kicked straight to the balls. So uh, I really feel for Jared Gordon in there. You know, you get kicked twice. You want to your adrenaline just started pumping, and uh, you get kicked in the nuts twice, and it definitely alters the fight. So. Uh, I think that uh, whoever comes in against uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira is in for a tough task because the dude is looking very well-rounded. In uh, the next fight, uh, the first fight of the night, we have Chad priest who is 13 and 13-3, taking on... Diego Lima, who is 12 and 12-7. Chad LaPriest opened up as the favorite in this one at minus 285 to Diego Lima at plus 205. People are betting down Chad LaPriest all the way down to minus 350, while Diego Lima is up to plus 390. I'm going to agree with the line movement in this one. Uh, I honestly think that people are betting against Diego Lima as much as uh, on Chad LaPriest. Diego Lima just looked really, really bad in his last fight against... Um, I believe it was Yushin Okami, but he was just taken down relentlessly in that one. Uh, his ground game looked really bad. His takedown defense looked bad. Uh, Chad Leprice is known as more of a boxer, I would say, not really the too ground-heavy. Uh, but, you know, he might be able to take this fight to the ground just as a a result of that last fight of how glaringly evident it was that Diego Lima's ground game sucks, so I think Chad uh, Priest will win this one pretty easily, but Diego Lima, you know, is just nothing like his brother, uh, um, Diego Lima and uh, Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima is, you know, is one of the best welterweights in the world, but his brother is just an absolute shadow of him, so... Uh, Next up, we have Brad Katana, who is undefeated at 7-0, taking on Matthew Lopez, who is 10-3. Brad Katana opened up as the minus 215 favorite Matthew Lopez, up to plus 165. The line still sits right around there. Katana minus 210, Lopez plus 175. Uh, I think that this is a a pretty decent opener. Honestly, I might even trust Brad Katana at minus 210. Uh, He has got some uh, really good boxing. He showed that in his last fight against Jay Kuchnia in the ultimate fighter finale winning the ultimate fighter in that one he uh, also has you know some decent uh, decent wins over regional competition as well he only has seven fights though so he's definitely uh, pretty raw but Matthew Lopez's opponent is also very raw this guy throws with a lot of power on the feed very sloppily and he doesn't have much ground game he goes for the occasional takedown but uh, I believe Katona also has uh, good wrestling of his own. He was able to take Cucinello down in that fight and control Cucinello for very long periods of time. He seemed like a pretty inexperienced grappler, uh, Cucinello, but regardless, Katona's top game and wrestling looked very good. Also, his timing with the takedowns, which I think will definitely be a factor in this one. So whenever Lopez starts swinging too wildly, Cotona will have no problem level changing and, you know, maybe winning around round on the ground. Uh, Lopez's ground game is not very good. Uh, he, uh, and, you know, his chin is a little bit suspect too, I would say. He, uh... He's gotten knocked out by uh, Rafael Sunsao, not the hardest puncher, and Alejandro Perez, again, not the hardest puncher. He also has a really bad gas tank. He was gassed out in the second round of his last fight. And uh, so I imagine Katona should win this one pretty easily, and I would definitely uh, even trust him at minus 210. Next fight we have in the 205-pound light heavyweight division, Alexander Rechich, who is... 10-1, 10-1, and taking on Devin Clark, who is 9-2. Alexander Rachich opened up as a 4-1 favorite in this one. Devin Clark up to plus 380, and people are betting Rachich down all the way to minus 550, while Devin Clark is up to plus 425. Uh, I I agree with it. You know, Alexander Rachich is, is very legit. He's 2-0 in the UFC. Both wins over uh, Francisco... Uh, Barroso and Justin Ledette beaten Justin Ledette in the last fight out, a very well-accomplished boxer of his own. He made it look fairly easy. Uh, you know he's just one of the uh, could be one of the most elite strikers in the 205 pound division he's obviously a little bit unexperienced, but I expect him to you know keep raking up wins uh, Devin Clark picked up a win in his last fight around Mark Rodriguez but not, not a very impressive victory uh, at all uh, Rodriguez is you know kind of proving not to be UFC caliber and uh, regardless, it was a you know a, a close fought um, good victory for him. But I imagine that Raittish will just be too much for him. Will box his face off in this one, uh, in uh, in route to a decision. So, uh, is going to be the pick in this one. Next fight, I, I believe one of the best fights, uh, probably the best fight on the prelims for sure, actually, that, uh, we got Gilbert Burns taking, who is 13 and three, taking on Oler, Olivier Aubin-Mercier, who is 11 and three. This fight is taking place in the lightweight division. We had Gilbert Burns open up as the, uh, as the favorite at minus 135, uh, oam at mi- minus 105 in this one and since then the line has flipped actually oam is now the favorite at minus 130 gilbert burns ups to plus 110 as the underdog i'm gonna uh, disagree with the line movement in this one saying that i think that gilbert burns should be the one who's favored in this one uh i really just don't see how oam will win this fight um maybe uh, outstriking burns on the feet and stuffing his takedowns in this one but man burns throws with a lot of power on the feet he throws you know with some really ill intent his last fight he was uh, knocked out uh in against uh dan hooker at ufc 226 that fight i don't know it looked uh he he does you know typically come out throwing heat but man it looked like that one where he might have been injured and thinking like hey man my first my Best chance to win this fighter Just you know throwing the, my hardest shots In the first 60 seconds and just uh, So who knows though uh, Obviously he could have been healthy too And just thought he, he wasn't respecting the power of Dan Hooker But Dan Hooker, one of the best strikers at 155 So I have no idea why he would do that OAM is uh, very, very well rounded He's got uh, you know good striking He's got decent ground game too But Burns, he's a you know world champion black belt on the ground He will clearly outgrapple OAM In this one and I think that, there, that uh, Burns even has a, cha- a good chance of getting a submission in this one, uh, OAM gets his back taken a lot. He's got good defense, but man, he's—I uh, don't think any of the grapplers he's been going against have had the uh, the submission uh, abilities of Gilbert Burns. So, the, I believe just Burns has more uh, ability to get this fight uh, uh, to win this fight. The only thing I would put in question is his cardio. OAM is uh, you know pretty used to going in the distance, but um the burns hasn't gone the distance uh since 2016 and that was that fight was a loss uh he actually only has one victory by decision in his career so uh you know an oam is a little bit tough to finish i wonder if oam has ever been finished let's see decision 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 no it's never been finished either so it'll be interesting to see this one um i think that uh i think that yeah, this will, like I said, will be the best fight on the prelims, and uh, the pick is going to be Burns though. Um, next fight in the middleweight division, we have Eric Yaboy Anders, who is eleven and two, taking on Elias theodoro who is 15 and 2 in this one we had eric anders open up as the minus 165 favorite to theodoro at plus 125 i think theodoro was actually higher around plus 175 and he was bet down immediately before best fight odds could capture that uh opening line but um in terms of the matchup in this one um i'm gonna i'm gonna oh uh, excuse me i forgot to mention what the line is now the line has since flipped eric anders is now the plus 105 underdog uh, Elise Theodoro is minus 125 now. Man, I'm uh, I'm gonna. Uh, mm. This is a tough. This is a tough pick. I want to say I'm gonna disagree with the line movement. I think. Uh, I think that Anders should be the favorite he is the uh i believe he's the more physical fighter he's you know he's got more power for sure theodoro has virtually no power he's a very good point fighter good kickboxer but in terms of uh power man he's very 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 lackluster in, in power um so i think that uh you know andrews is coming off that loss tough loss back in yeah, august to thiago santos he took that fight on short notice, though he moved up a weight class. He flew down to Brazil, and he still went three rounds with Santos. Didn't didn't really get finished. Uh, I guess I guess he kind of did. I mean, it was a TKO via in between rounds, but uh, he didn't get you know pounded out and uh, referee stoppage. It was more of a corner stoppage. So um, you know he showed a lot of heart in that one. A lot of balls. So good, like I said, flattened down to Brazil, move up a weight class, and come in on a week's notice. So uh, Eric Andrews has got has, uh, really got balls of steel for sure uh, i question how fast he's coming back from this that fight though i mean, that was only you know three three and a half months ago and he's already jumping back in the octagon against uh you know a pretty tough opponent theodoro so um i think the Anders still has the it should be the favorite in this one i think he's just going to make this fight uncomfortable for theodoro and i don't think uh theodoro's uh boring kickboxing type style is going to be enough to beat Anders in this one so the pick is going to be Anders. Next fight in the women's flyweight division, we have Jessica Evil Eye, who is thirteen and six, taking on Caitlin ChuKagan, who is eleven and one. The betting line for this one opened up ChuKagan as the minus two sixty five favorite to Jessica Eye at plus one eighty five. The line has since uh, tightened up a bit. Jessica Aya is now plus one fifty five. ChuKagan is minus one seventy five. Definitely agree with the line movement in this one. I think that opening line was set a bit too wide. Uh, ChuKagan is a you know a very good kick boxer she wins fights via decision uh, she's got good takedown defense Jessica I is you know more of a, a wrestler who's trying to take this fight to the ground and you know grind out as a decision she picked up uh, uh, a really really good win in her last fight against Jessica Rose Clark and also is coming off a win off of Kalinda Faria so Jessica I is uh, you know she was uh, let's see one in five in her previous UFC, or six UFC fights and then in 2015 she's on a roll with two wins in a row so uh, Jessica Ai is really uh, you know uh, improving a lot uh but i do not think that's going to be enough to beat uh Ch- Kagan in this one i think that Kagan's kicks and her jab will keep uh jessica I at bay and she'll be able to stuff any takedowns coming in uh carmuch or uh, she's fought uh Kagan has fought a, a good a, a good amount of UFC competition she's four and one in the UFC so far and, and has looked very good this fight is also the uh the alternate fight for uh God forbid if one of the women in the main events or in the co-main event excuse me gets hurt and then one of these two women will fill in for that um, I don't think that that's the you know I think Shevchenko and Joanna will make weight no doubt and everything will be good so I doubt that the uh, these women will be uh, called up to make that a uh, replacement but uh, the pick is going to be Chu to get this one via decision, maybe even a late finish, but probably not. Next fight, we in the women's strawweight division, we have Claudia Gedalia, who is 16 and three taking on Nina Ansaroff, who is nine and 9-5. The opening line for this one, we have Claudia Gadalia opened up at minus 380 to Nina Ansaroff at plus 260. Um, the line is, has since tightened up a little bit with uh, Gadalia at minus 320 and Nina Ansaroff still at plus 260 in this one. So, I think that uh, this is, a, you know, a, a, not going to be a very close matchup. I think that, unfortunately, uh, Claudia Gadalia's uh, physicality in wrestling will be a little too much for Ansarov. Ansarov has decent, uh, she's got good Muay Thai for sure, and she's got decent takedown defense as well. Uh, it held up pretty well in her last fight against, uh, let me, uh, against Random Marcos. Random Marcos is, you know, a relentless wrestler. Uh, Marcos was able to get her down in the first round and uh but not Marcos is is not the type of fighter that Cadalia is. She's very she's way less physical. She doesn't ground the pound as much. So a lot of Marcos's energy was was spent in getting this fight to the floor. Uh, and you know she didn't really make her pay, uh, make answer off pay for getting into the floor. While Gedalia will, she will rain down ground a pound. She will make it uncomfortable on the ground, and she will wear you down. So. Ansarov was able to win that Marcos fight by stuffing the later shots in rounds two and three and outstriking uh, Marcos to a decision in the winning the last two rounds. But man, I don't see that uh, being enough in, in, to beat uh, Gedalia here. I think Gedalia will t- uh, take her down, uh, uh, pound her pretty good, and uh, make her really tired. Um, maybe, maybe uh, if uh, Ansarov's really in the best shape of her life, which honestly, I have no doubt that she will be. She's on a three fight win streak in UFC. Over good competition, Uh, and uh, you know Claudia Gadelia is struggling big time. You know her last fight against uh, Carla Esparza, she she was dropped in and uh, lost a very close, or she won a very close split decision in that one. But in the fight before that, she was absolutely butchered by Jessica Andrade. Who uh, you know really sh- shocked us all at out grappling and out uh, ground and pounding Claudia who was you know for for a while probably the best grappler in uh, the women's strawweight division, but with the addition of you know uh, Andrade and uh, Tatiana Suarez uh, you know I think that that, is, uh, that ship is, is long gone and Gedalia is honestly kind of looking like a, a shell of her former self uh, so um, you know the pick is still going to be Gedalia to win this fight but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ansarov is able to win maybe the second or third round and uh, make this fight a little bit closer so uh, her her plus uh, points line will be uh, will be something to take a look at in this one Um, but that is going to be all for the prelims of this one uh this analysis and uh to start things off uh, to start Transitioning into the guest portion of the period, I'm going to bring my man Jim on. Uh, if you are waiting to hear the main card portion of the UFC 230 uh, podcast, you can uh, look in the description of these this video to see when we start talking about the the main card. We do talk about the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury boxing match that happened this past weekend a little bit before we jump into the UFC 230 car, 231 card, excuse me. So check this timestamp if you're uh, just looking for the UFC analysis all right we are in the second half of the martian mma podcast right now i'm joined by my guest my my friend jim from balance studios what's up my man what's up man how you doing great man good to have you on the podcast uh tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started
1: uh i've been doing jiu-jitsu for about seven and a half years and uh brown belt under rick and phil mingler east Side of balance studios and uh Frank and Briefy. and uh yeah that's really it
0: Nice. How long have you been watching uh, MMA? Like, what was the f- you know first fight you ever remember watching?
1: Uh, Frankie Edgar
0: versus BJ Penn. One. Nice. That was I don't maybe not UFC one twelve or something. Maybe one twelve. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that way far back. I started at one sixty two. So you got me beat by about fifty pay per views. But <laughs> um, yeah, you that, that's like almost uh, almost ten years in the sport. Then you've been following it. So you know, I I imagine your uh, your knowledge is pretty in depth. Uh yeah. For, for the most part, I mean, I had the Aerial Hawani
1: app, but they they weren't compatible with Apple anymore, so now I have to just Google everything or Instagram. Everything's on the Internet now.
0: Yeah, yeah, being a fight fan is never easy. I mean, you know, just watching the cards alone, we got to go from Fight Pass to Fox Sports 1, the pay-per-view and everything like that. It's pretty ridiculous.
1: Yeah, dude, I feel that. Fight Pass isn't cheap either. I mean, it's a good deal, but, like, that 120 off one shot, you know, kind of,
0: kind of kicks you in the ass a little bit yeah and then it's you know another uh 30 50 bucks a month for your tv and then you gotta buy the pay-per-views for 60 bucks so being a ufc fan is not cheap but uh, uh getting away from ufc a little bit we're gonna start things off talking about uh the the boxing fight that went down this past weekend it was uh the heavyweight unification bout between american champion undefeated champion deontay wilder taking on undefeated british champion uh, tyson fury so uh just starting things off i mean we had to talk about this fight i usually don't do boxing on this podcast but uh with how special this fight was i think it would be a crime not to not to talk about it a little bit so i saved it for the latter half of this portion because i knew that you you watched the fight also so just starting things off just give me your thoughts on the fight Uh, i think fury got robbed yeah that's that seems to be the assumption i mean even though it, it was uh, a robbery i mean i don't think it it, it it takes away from the fight a little bit but i mean damn still what an absolutely incredible fight the the drama that was involved in it and so what, what did you th- how many rounds do you think that uh fury won
1: at least nine uh he won
0: one
1: and three through eight then uh 10 11 the second round could have gone either way or third round was it when wilder might have won and then he lost in ninth and the 12th he got dropped so i mean that was the most significant part of the rounds right there 12th round he got like knocked dead and he like woke up and uh, it was pretty miraculous
0: yeah definitely i think a miracle would be the the best way to describe it um you know something extraterrestrial helped him get up from that knockdown for sure um, but, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, in this boxing fight, uh, I, I cl- thought that uh, Fury won. I thought that, you know, like you said, one nine, possibly even ten rounds. But, uh, you know, that, the, the two most significant parts of the fight absolutely went to Deontay Wilder with those knockdowns. You know, the first one was like a grazing shot that knocked uh, Fury off balance in the ninth round. But the twelfth round knockout was an absolute, like, you know, uh, undertaker. It was all cold, yeah, and then yeah. he
1: woke up. It was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, the fiercest puncher in boxing lands a straight right, and Fury was falling from that, and then on the way down, ate a left hook, just full power, you know, full connection, and then you see his head bounce off the canvas, and, you know, he's, you know, for the first five or six seconds of the count, he was not moving, and then you see his eyes light up, and you see him get back up, and it's it's one of the most miraculous things I've ever seen in sports, for sure. Yeah, 100%.
1: I mean, I can't believe he actually woke up, because, uh, in the ninth round, he he got up right away, and you could just tell it was just like he got grazed. But this one, you could tell he was hurt, but then you kind of thought it was a joke because as soon as he stood up, he started taunting him again, putting his hands up behind his back and slipping like he was the whole fight under all the punches. So it was pretty crazy how quick he was able to bounce back from that knockdown.
0: Yeah, the first one, like you said, he he, did, he when he got knocked down and knew it was a grazing shot. And he kind of uh, you know did a little taunting while he was still on the ground getting up from the knockdown. And then, like you said, after he got off off the, the 12th round, he was putting his hands behind his back. Less than a minute later, after he was you know out cold on the canvas, there's a timestamp you know where he's down at maybe 2:10 in the round, not moving, eyes glossy, and then. By one minute and 20 seconds left in the round, he's taunting him, putting his hands behind the back, uh, you know, against the ropes, and it came back and actually landed some pretty stiff punches in that round, and you know, almost made it. Uh, you could have argued like uh, maybe 10-9 for that round, despite the knockdown. It was so close.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure, because they weren't, like, he got dominated after, it was just, those knockdowns were the most significant part, so even, but even if you scored all three rounds, 10-8, the ones that Wilder won, it still wasn't enough for that to be a draw, and then it was just like, the judges' scorecards were so off, I just was wondering who was watching what fight, you know?
0: yeah i mean boxing is you know it's it's corrupt as fuck every single big fight you know the past three the past couple years we've had um you know only a few big fights the triple g and canelo both of their fights ended in controversial decisions a lot of people saw them or the majority of people i think saw them going both to triple g but canelo was awarded one and in in the same case a draw was awarded to one and and then in this one it's just you know a flat out uh, you know it, it's hard to say you know there's been worse robberies in the sport of boxing I'm sure but this it really felt it really felt like a, you know a, a kick in the nuts to see Fury come back from his, uh, his uh, depression come back from being 400 pounds having this incredible comeback story winning the fight clearly and then getting up after the 12th round all of that just to be kind of a little negated by uh, him not getting that nod in the decision.
1: Yeah, for sure, and it's kind of funny that you say comeback, because he's only 30 years old, and he just shows how, like, successful he was early on, but, um, yeah, it was kind of, like, just unfair, and, um, I think they're just trying to protect their champions, but, um, you know, you gotta do what's fair, I think Fury won that pretty, uh, decisively, nine to twelve, nine rounds to three.
0: Yeah, and uh, another point I was making is when I in MMA fights, when I see you know uh, a guy win two of the three rounds by grappling, by holding a guy against the fence, and then in the the latter round, the last round, someone has a really significant moment where they have them hurt. Uh, you know, I usually think that that the guy in in the uh, that hurt the person in the, the the later fight. I usually think they won because how little they were doing in the first. The, how the uh, you know fighter A was you know just grappling really ineffectively to to win rounds by a slim margin, and then all of a sudden you have a guy really put some damage on. I think he should typically win the fight, but boxing's is different. Uh, you know, it's it has to be scored round by round. Uh, it seemed like Deontay Wilder didn't really grasp that concept, saying that he should have won the fight because of the knockdowns. Like, sure, the knockdowns were very significant and the, probably the most damage done, but you still lost eight or nine, ten rounds. It doesn't change the fact that you should win the fight just because of the knockdowns. Well, yeah, in
1: MMA, uh, standard fights, only three rounds. So, like, the perfect example that I can think of is, uh, even though he finished them was Brian Ortega versus Henato um, Moicano, if I'm saying it right. Yeah, you nailed it. And, uh... Yeah, the Moicano guy was just striking, and in the last 10 seconds he would get the takedown in all of his fights, and that's how he would get the nod. But uh, Brian had some uh, pretty slick jiu-jitsu waiting for him. He worked uh, on his front headlock chokes for a while, and he uh, ended up snagging the guillotine with, like, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds left. So it was pretty cool to see that. But there's a lot of guys that like to do that, just like to, to lay on people. like um. Everybody gives Kamar Usman heat for it. I mean, there's a bunch of guys, but uh, you need to work, you know, to to really let the fans know you want just not off takedowns, off damage and strikes landed and strikes thrown, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, Tyson Fury has had more boring fights. His fight against Klitschko was much, much more boring and methodical. But, he, I mean, the, these rounds, when he was winning, they were exciting. He was landing good punches. He was outboxing Wilder very clearly. It was not boring by any means. He was, you know, doing a lot of damage with, uh, you know, his jab. And his right hands were landed, too. He was landing in combination while Wilder was throwing single punches. But, um, you know, that's that, that's probably enough said about this boxing fight. It With all the controversy side, still one of the most dramatic incredible things I've ever seen with him getting up from those knockdowns and just uh, a really back and forth fight and uh, you know it was uh, looking forward to the rematch even though it's got it's got a little bit of uh, an asterisk next to it hopefully it can it can take place in England so we can uh, balance the scales a little bit. Um, But with that being said about the boxing, we're going to move on to this weekend's UFC pay-per-view going down from Toronto, Ontario, Canada on Saturday, December 8th. And uh, to kick things off, we're going to start things in the main card portion because the uh, the prelims uh, have already been analyzed earlier in the podcast, so we're going to just start things off in the... Uh light heavyweight division we have thiago santos who is 19 and 6 taking on jimmy Manoa, who is 17 and 4 now the betting lines for this one opened up at jimmy Manoa as a plus 145 underdog thiago santos as a minus 185 favorite and people are betting on thiago santos a little more trusting him as a favorite in this one uh, i agree with that he's all the way down to minus 220 in this one i think Diago Santos is the much more active guy. He's got better cardio. I think he hits harder. He's got a more diverse MMA game. He, you know, is coming off that uh, pretty impressive win over Kevin Holland. He showed that he could go the full 15 minutes in that fight. Um, Jimmy Manoa coming up short against. Um, Jan Blahovic in his last fight he was really uh you know just outstruck and outgrappled in that one completely. So I think uh Thiago Santos will get this one done. I, uh, but Mano was pretty durable even though he had did get a uh, suffer a few knockouts uh earlier uh this year and in 2017 but I think this one will go to the distance and uh Thiago Santos will get it done by decision. So uh, what do you think in uh, Jim about this one? Uh,
1: I think Jimmy Mano will get it done. Uh, I just think his confidence and everything He's been here, he's fought the best in the world And uh, Tiago Santos really hasn't I mean, if he has, he's lost to him He lost to Michael Bisping He lost a couple fights at 185 pounds And I just think Jimmy Manoa gets it done He hits really hard And uh, he has a lot of confidence in his striking So we'll see how this one plays out It's 50-50 in my mind But I'm uh, leaning towards Jimmy Manoa.
0: A good point with the weight there. Uh, Thiago Santos was a middleweight for a majority of his career. I think his last fight was actually against Eric Anders, which he, again, went uh, uh, the—it was— it was scheduled to be a five round fight but it ended in the third round he showed good you know good cardio in that one too so we're gonna be disagreeing on this one but it's a hell of a fight to kick off the main card sometimes they put some really questionable fights on the first couple of fights for the pay-per-view but good job uh good job doing by the ufc putting this one first but speaking of questionable fights fights for the pay-per-view uh the next fight in the featherweight division we have kyle bosniak who is eight and three taking on hakim duadu who is 8-1 one and 1 the betting lines for this one opened up Dewadu as the -180 favorite while Boschniak was +140 and, uh, originally a lot more people were betting on Bosniak, put him as, like, a two-to-one favorite, uh, but eventually, now people are coming back on, uh, Boshniak giving him a little bit of credit. Uh, again, I agree with the line movement in this one. Uh, Hakim Dewado is a, is a good Muay Thai striker. He, uh, you know, he's, he's struggled in his first fight. I think he actually got dropped and, and choked in his first fight, uh, and, uh, kind of shit the bed, but he came back with a nice win since then. Um, so, but I, I, do think that, uh, Kyle Bosniak, he's, he's, he's a really, like, grindy type of fighter you know his fight against Zabit Magomed earlier this year was uh, one of the best fights all year because just how savage Kyle Boshniak was being in that fight just coming forward biting down on his mouthpiece and throwing bombs even though he was getting outstruck it was a little bit of a you know one-sided to be a great fight but Boshniak made that shit exciting um, you know Zabit was a little bit content to just uh, you know strike at range and win the fight that way but Boshniak just kept coming forward and made this fight a brawl um, so I think he'll do that again here And I don't think Dawadu is going to be good enough To uh, to outstrike Bochniak like Zabit was So uh, the pick is going to be uh, the underdog Bochniak To get this one done uh, What are you thinking about this one Jim?
1: Uh, I'm going with Botchnik too He's just uh Real tough dude, and um, I don't really know too much about the Hakeem Duwadu, but, uh, but just what Bochniak showed against Zabit uh, was, was pretty incredible. He took wheel kicks to the head and hard punches and just kept moving forward. He's just like a tough boxer. He's from the Boston area or New York area, I think, so he's got really good striking. Uh, yeah, i like to see Bochniak win this one just because he, he's a fan favorite, even
0: though not a lot of people know about him. Yeah, he trains with uh, Joe Lozon up in Boston like you said. I think that uh he might even try to I I, I don't remember seeing his grappling skills too much in the UFC, but you know, but uh, he's fighting fighting almost a pure striker in Dawadu, so he would be wise to take this one to the floor um so yeah uh, we're both uh we're both agreeing on bocniak there and the next fight another excellent fight uh, this main card is is great the whole card is great honestly i'm really looking forward to this pay-per-view in the welterweight division we have alex Oliveira, who is 20 five and one taking on Gunnar nelson who is 16 three and one the betting line for this one opened up at evens minus 120 for both fighters and people are uh, trusting Gunnar Nelson a little more as a favorite, betting him down to minus 135, while Alex Oliveira is now the underdog at plus 115. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to disagree with the line movement in this one. I think that uh, I'm gonna, the pick is going to be Alex Oliveira to win this one. He's just you know, such a powerful striker. He's great at brawling. He's got you know, good submissions and ground game to fall back on. Uh, Gunnar Nelson's best aspect is his ground game. I think that he is the better grappler uh, than Oliveira. Um, but I think the striking is just going to be a problem in this one. I think that Alex Oliveira is going to be landing hard, <coughs> hard shots on the feet. I think he could uh, possibly rock Gunner Nelson. Uh, and you know, if he may, uh, Gunner Nelson doesn't do well in brawls, you know, he got finished in the first round by Ponzinibbio, uh, despite the you know the eye pokes that he suffered in that fight. Uh, he I don't think he does very well with press, uh, pressure fighters and I don't think his chin is very good either so um, the one one thing to consider about this fight is Gunnar Nelson has not fought in one year and seeing some pictures of him lately man this guy looks like he's in the best shape of his life so you know you can you can say what you want about you know I've never seen Gunnar Nelson this shredded so you know, you, you know it always could be it always could be some gear he got on you know while he was uh, uh, taking some time off of the fight or he just could be in the best shape of his life so I expect this one to be a really good fight and I think uh, Alex Oliveira will get a finish. Uh, what's your opinion?
1: I'm betting my house, my car, and my dad on Gunnar Nelson winning the fight. <laughs> Do
0: you tr- trust him that much?
1: Yeah. Um, if you watch the uh, Gunnar Nelson verse, um, what's the Russian guy's name that he fought the bald guy? Uh,
0: um, Rick's, I'm trying to think. Rick Story, uh, Nelson. Uh, but keep going. I'll look it up. Oh well, yeah, time.
1: this this Russian guy was supposed to be uh, this like top notch striker, and Nelson just used his in and out movements to make him look kind of slow and uh, lethargic. And then um, Nelson caught him with a punch, got on his back, and then uh, somehow fit, locked up a, a high elbow guillotine, and then finished him. His jiu-jitsu is next level. Guard pass, his, his guard passing, his guard passing is crazy. And uh, his submissions, when he gets something, you're probably not gonna get out. I mean, he he uh, grappled. He lost a uh, like a one-sided uh, like grappling match to Damian Maya, but Damian Maya is also an 85er, and realistically, Gunnar Nelson should fight at 155. He's a very small 170, but uh, he he uses his speed and his movement very well. And I like him. He's real humble, even though he's like good friends with Connor. He doesn't really talk a lot, even though I do like the trash talk, but it just shows you can be your own person and be successful.
0: Well, uh, you'd be delighted to hear that Gunnar Nelson has not trained at all for at SBG for this fight, which honestly is a good thing. SBG's their 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 MMA record this year is, is not very good. Um, you know, uh, their striking coach left their gym. It's uh, there's so, a you know obviously Connor uh, didn't have the greatest fight recently. Artem Lobov not doing so great. So not the worst thing ever to be not at SBG. The fight the Russian guy you were talking about is Albert Tumanov. Uh Yeah, very impressive. No, um... Memori Akmetov. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah, he's uh and
1: and um and uh Tumanov. he did good against both of them. Yeah, yeah
0: Tumanov, Joban, Thatch, six of his seven wins in the UFC come by way of submission. He, like you said, one of the one of the best uh, grapplers on the roster, honestly. So yeah. if I if I uh, you know if Gunnar Wilson wins this fight, I imagine it'll be either by submission or just by a very dominant decision. Um, but I hope it, I hope his takedowns are on point and everything uh, because you know Alex Oliveira is, is no slash himself. But this another excellent excellent fight. Uh, moving on to the co main event for the vacant uh, UFC women's flyweight title, we have uh, former champion herself, Joanna Jacek, who is 15 and 7, taking on Valentina Shevchenko, who is 15 f- and 2. 15 and 2, excuse me. Uh, taking on Valentina Shevchenko, who is 15 and 3. Uh, the betting line for this one opened up Shevchenko as the minus 300 favorite, Joanna Jacek at plus 250, and p- somehow people are betting. Uh, still betting valentina shevchenko all the way down to a minus three and a half favorite while yet jay jack is almost at a three to one underdog uh man i don't i i i really question the line movement in this one i think that valentina should be the favorite she's you know she's the natural 125 pounder i believe she has the better grappling and she also is you know very very good on the feet but um, I think Joanna is, is going to be a tough fight for uh, Shevchenko's problem is she she her output she is very content to counter punch and you know maybe lack a little volume I think that's that's what lost her the 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 bantamweight title fight against Amanda Nunes a razor thin forty eight forty seven decision that Shevchenko I think really could have stole if she just uh, you know, increased her output in that fight, but it just didn't happen. Yoana uh, Janjacek is one of the most active and accurate strikers in the UFC. You know, she landed uh, 160 punches or strikes in her uh, in her loss against uh, uh, Rose Namahunas. So I, th- I see that being a huge, huge problem for for Shevchenko. I don't think that her single uh, or, you know, single or maybe two-punch com- uh, counters are going to be enough to stop Io- uh, Ioana. The way I think Shevchenko wins the this fight if she does is by her grappling i think that there's a huge advantage for the grappling i think shevchenko is a black belt in judo and jiu-jitsu and she's just an incredibly well-rounded martial artist uh i'm sure she's been training a lot longer than Joanna. uh these uh these women did face one another in muay thai like Almost 10 years ago, they were wearing chest protectors and headgear and everything like that, so I hold those those matches into account z- like zero in this fight. I don't think they matter at all. It was, like I said, a decade ago, Shevchenko had been doing Muay Thai for almost 10 years, while Jacek had been doing it for only, I think, two to three years, so... Uh, I don't think those, those are pretty irrelevant in this one. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if I had to pick one of these women, it, it, honestly, I think I would side with Joanna. I think that she has a great chance at making this like, really competitive decision and, uh, you know, winning a 48 47 decision over Shevchenko. But I hope her takedown defense is on point. It, it was in her last fight against Tisha Torres, but. Tisha Torres and Shevchenko aren't even on the same planet when it comes to, to grappling. So uh, the, I'm going to lean Ioanna in this one, but it's, it's going to be a, an unconfident pick. Uh, who are you thinking, Jim?
1: Uh, man, this one's kind of up in the air. Like you said, Ioana's output, is, uh, her output and her speed is a lot better than uh, Valentina's. But uh, Valentina's got the size. But on Jacek, I mean, she stopped Jessica Andrade's takedowns and Jessica's a little bulldozer. She just ragdolls these girls and I don't think Valentina has the same kind of wrestling to get Yoana down. But you never know because is putting on 10 pounds and Valentina's losing 10 more pounds. So you never know how the weight's going to affect them. Everybody says, oh, they feel the best. So they're like they've ever felt all this stuff. But uh, that extra 10 pounds can slow you down or make you faster. Uh, maybe for Yolanda, it's good because she's not dieting as much. But um, she, uh,
0: I'm,
1: I'm, I'm leaning towards Yolanda as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, that just shocks me that she's a 3-to-1 underdog in this one. Um, definitely, it's the yeah, size. Yeah, the, the size is definitely the biggest factor. Shevchenko has fought at 125 once before, uh, you know, beating, uh, just having one of the biggest mismatches in UFC history, honestly. Just put the beat down on this poor girl for 10 minutes straight before... Uh, I believe they stopped it in between rounds So uh oh, yeah, that, that,
1: She did beat the shit out of that girl
0: Yeah Priscilla Cachoeira was her name And okay. you know it was she was making a UFC debut She had no wins over good competition And they give her the, the number one contender By far and yeah. that was just That was br- absolutely brutal I don't understand why they did that I still feel really bad for that girl Um but uh, you know, just an incredible fight. I mean, this is as good as women, women's MMA gets for sure. Uh, you know, probably one of the, one of the highest level skill matchups we ever uh, get the pleasure of watching. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to this one. And uh, with that being said, we're going to move to the main event of the evening for the featherweight championship of the world. We have the champion Max Holloway, who is nineteen and three, taking on undefeated Brian Ortega, who is fourteen zero with one no contest Um, the betting lines for this one opened up Max Holloway as the minus 140 favorite while Brian Ortega was the plus 120 underdog now I'm a little bit curious whether this line was for UFC 231 I I imagine it was I think Holloway was a a much bigger favorite the first time they were scheduled to fight unfortunately max holloway was uh unable to make the weight for that fight he stopped actually didn't, he didn't you know miss weight on the scales he was pulled from the fight uh the week of due to uh, po- you know possible concussion syndrome or you know or possible con- concussion symptoms no one really knows what the hell happened with max holloway in that fight he was doing an interview on UFC on Fox and Michael Bisping noticed that he looked out of it he was ma- he wasn't making any fucking sense he was talking about pay-per-views that weren't his he uh, he was you know absolutely out of it good thing michael bispin called him out on that one and then uh, a few hours later i believe they actually pulled him from the fight so um, max holloway's question or health is definitely in question in this one uh so the betting line much closer now brian ortega is just a slight plus 105 underdog uh, max holloway is a minus 125 favorite honestly the, uh, when it comes uh, to fight night i imagine there'll be uh, pretty much evens in this one um so i'll let you start things off and give me your opinion on what do you think is going to happen here
1: Oh, I think uh, Max Holloway takes this one pretty convincingly. Um, Brian Ortega's got pretty good boxing. Like, when he counters, he counters four or five times. But uh, everybody says the grappling, the grappling. Brian Ortega's such a better grappler. And um, I think uh, that's not really the case because I don't think Brian can take uh, Max down. He's never really taken anybody down. He just kind of jumps on front headlocks or maybe drops somebody. But, um... And then people are, like, sleeping on Max's jujitsu. jitsu He's uh, choked a lot of people out. He's got a style very similar to uh, Brian's game. He's got a really good guillotine and a really good triangle, but his striking is just light years ahead of Brian's. I feel like just the way he mixes it up, and uh, uh, Brian kind of, like, makes guys back off with his counters, but Max will stand in the middle and not try to knock him out. He won't take a step backwards. He's kind of just like a crazy Hawaiian. I like that about him, so I think uh, Max takes this one uh, fourth round TKO or five round decision.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you uh, almost exactly. I think that uh, I think that Max will win this one by knockout in the fourth or fifth round, and if it doesn't go that way, it'll be a you know a very convincing decision. Uh, again, you were spot on with Ortega. You know he does throw have good counters, but it tend they tend to be single power shots. And uh, I don't think that's going to be enough that to beat Holloway in this one. I think Holloway is going to be putting volume on him. He, he lands you know, some of the highest significant strikes out of any fighter in the UFC. He's got some of the best boxing out of anybody in the UFC. And uh, you know, after he was uh, out grappled by Conor McGregor like, over five years ago, he really worked on his jiu-jitsu and started getting a lot of guillotines over Andre Feely, Cub Swanson uh and i think he might even have one more I just can't remember against who uh but yeah he's he's really becoming uh one of the top pound for pound fighters in, in the sport you know the only question about this one is is his health and honestly i, I doubt that he would rush back in too early and take this fight if he w- wasn't 100 confident in himself um you know max always had a tough year though he was supposed to fight edgar in february he pulled out because of injury then a, uh, a few weeks later, he stupidly volunteered to replace uh, Tony Ferguson and fight Khabib on a one week's notice. He tried cutting to the lightweight limit, a weight class higher than his featherweight division, and he was, again, pulled by the Athletic Commission from even trying to make 155 in that one. So that's that's a bad uh, bad spot. You know, He was obviously out of shape, not in camp. He must have probably walked in at 185, Pounds. The dude is absolutely massive. There's a picture of him next to Daniel Cormier, the the heavyweight champ, and he's taller than Cormier and looks almost, you know, just as thick as him. Um, you know, not, obviously not as fat as Cormier, but he's a, a huge, huge guy. He he cuts a, an extreme amount of weight. Honestly, I think if he beats Brian Ortega here, he uh, might, you know, wrap things up in the featherweight division. He really only has maybe a few more contenders: Hanato uh, Moiscano uh, maybe Mursad Bektik, uh but he really doesn't have that much. He's ran through everybody in the featherweight division. He's on a 13 f- or a 12 f- fight win streak. So he's, uh, you know, like I said, one of the top pound for pound fighters in the sport. Uh, I hope this is a good fight. You know, I hope uh, you know Brian Ortega is able to maybe win some rounds and make it competitive. And uh, but I think Max Holloway's experience will uh, will shine in this one, and he'll get the finish late or win a comfortable decision. So uh, that is going to be all for the UFC 231 analysis for this one, uh, and uh, we're going to transition in just uh, some some other topics for now. So uh, seeing as Jim and I are about to uh, do some jitsu ourselves here in about 20 minutes with uh, professional MMA fighter Anton Burzin, here at uh, Bounce Studios in Fishtown uh, you guys should, you should come by check out Anton's classes. He, uh, you know, is uh, one of the best uh, regional fighters in the in the Northeast right now, and is he's on that quest again in the UFC. So, uh, you know, you can you can get some experience with one of the the best uh, uh, regional fighters in the Northeast or uh, Northeast region of America right now. So, uh, we're gonna talk about Jiu-Jitsu a little bit. Uh, it was uh, Jim's idea to bring this up. It was a great idea. We had uh, some a couple of super fights going on in the world of Jiu-Jitsu uh, they're a little bit far away, but we're, uh, this is a good as ever time to talk about them. Uh, go ahead and announce, uh, talk about those two matchups that you were just mentioning
1: uh, Fabrizio Verdun versus Gordon Ryan. And then the other side of the bracket is Josh Barnett versus Vinny Magalhais in a one uh, night combat jujitsu tournament, four man.
0: Yeah, that's, man, that's that's uh, super exciting I, I, Do you think that Gordon has ever fought under combat jujitsu rules before? No, he hasn't, this is his first time Yeah, so that makes it even better Gordon Ryan is, I believe he's ranked in, you know, uh, I think 77, 88, and 99 kilograms uh, uh, like the flow grappling rankings and the absolute rankings, so he he grapples at all different weight classes. He's one of the best in the best in the world right now. Probably is the best grappler in the world.
1: Number two pound for pound
0: behind
1: Felipe Pena. He lost to him at ADCC uh, uh, 2017 uh, absolute took second. Felipe took first.
0: Okay, nice. And he, yeah, he's uh, working on his gi game a little bit. I think he was that was a mission of his of him earlier in the year, but I haven't really seen too much gi uh, training from him lately. I don't. That was kind of a weird goal he set. I think that he he's you know he's although he's you know one of the greatest in the world, he definitely has a pretty massive ego. He uh, I think he was uh, a little bit uh, upset with people saying that he's the best no gi grappler in the world. So I think he kind of wanted to prove that he was the best geek grappler in the world too. So. Uh, but now the, the combat jujitsu is going to be no gi, and you know that that bracket is just incredible. Uh, unfortunately, I think the one fight is a little bit of a mismatch. I think that I think that uh, Magalhaes will run through uh, Barnett pretty easily. How about you?
1: No, I don't think that at all. Josh Barnett's a real bad motherfucker, and um, he's got a lot of slick tricks. I mean, he tapped out Dean Lister. I mean, Gordon kind of uh, tapped him pretty easily at that quintet, but I mean. Gordon's one of the best in the world, but that was just grappling. With strikes, Josh has a whole different game. Everybody's game plan is going to change. I think uh, everybody's looking at Gordon Ryan as the favorite, which I can see. But um, he's never fought with strikes coming at him, so you never know. But, I mean, he usually comes well prepared. But uh, I, I think Josh and Vinny's good. I mean, Vinny kind of has been knocked out a few times. not saying a slap could do it, but... Uh, Maybe Josh can rock them and then jump on a submission. Who knows? I mean, these things are pretty just fun to watch.
0: Yeah, good point. You know, Maglahaus and Gordon are uh, r- rather smaller. I honestly, they probably weigh like 220, something around there. But, uh, you know, they're going against two. UFC heavyweight champions so it's the, that that slapping is going to be a, a huge X factor if it was straight grappling I think that Ma, it would uh, and, and Gordon would would uh, would shine pretty easily but good point about the slaps be like you know maybe evening out the playing field a little bit because those uh, especially Gordon not used to slaps at all mega Hayes has definitely I think had a little bit of experience and he's got a lot of MMA experience too but uh, Fabricia verdumom I I, uh, I think he yeah just uh, he got uh, flagged by USADA, so he's not fighting in the UFC right now. Josh Barnett also had some trouble with USADA, even though he was he was cleared. It was it was a, a supplement with him. I think I bet Verdun was probably not not a dirty supplement, but who knows. Um, so those guys are making the most of their time off the UFC, getting in this uh, combat jujitsu tournament. So I think that'll be super super exciting. Uh, so who's gonna be your pick to come out with the the, uh, the winner of the tournament in this one?
1: Uh, I mean, I hope it's Gordon just because it's, uh, it's his world. But, um, I mean, I could see Vinny winning it. Uh, Gordon's going to have a really tough match with Verdum. I'm sure he's probably around like 250 pounds, 260 pounds. Gordon's like 225. But then again, Gordon's 23. Fabricio's like 36, 37. He's up there. So maybe Gordon just walks through everybody except for Vinnie because he, uh, he had that tough match against Vinny where he lost by points or by uh, judge's decision. But, uh, yeah, I think Gordon walks out it. I mean, he's got the most weapons. Uh, He's got a bunch of systems for everything, passing, the back, triangles, leg locks, Kimoras,
0: they got it all. They're really good at those guys. Yeah, the Danaher Death Squad, you know, has quickly become. It's it's amazing how quickly they took over, like almost the entire jiu-jitsu scene. It was, you know, there was a lot of there was. It was hard to think of like the best you know camp uh, in in jitsu but all of a sudden in the past couple of years, it's really jumped out as uh, as the Danaher Death Squad. You know, with Gordon Ryan, uh, Nikki Ryan, Gary Tonin. Uh, does Eddie Cummings train there too?
1: No, he left. Now there's like a bunch of drama. Uh, he's at Unity. Him and um. John Callistine left
0: there at Unity. Okay, yeah. So uh, those Danaher Deschler guys are just absolutely insane. So yeah, I, I guess I would hope that uh, that uh, Gordon wins too, um, just because you know I'm the, a, a fan of the guy. But yeah, you said that match with Vinny Maglihaeus was was a was a tough one. Uh, he uh, Gordon Ryan looked like he had Maglihaeus and a couple of heel hooks that were deep, but Maglihaeus just his ankles or something is just he doesn't have any any cartilage or tendons or anything left in them anymore because those an- those. An- uh, leg locks just don't work on him, uh, which is absolutely in- incredible to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I could, I could see that. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Vinny submitted in competition or anything. I mean, he flying on board Chris Weidman at uh, at Abu Dhabi before. Um, he uh, also twisted. He had the first twister at ADCC 2015, I think. So he's a really accomplished grappler But, like, back to the, the Donaher guys They also have, uh, Ethan Krellenstein That just won the 145-pound, uh, 80cc trials And then, uh, Oliver Taza Who's, uh, tours A C always coming back But he was really, uh, successful on, like The submission-only circuit So they have a bunch of other guys Besides Gordon and, uh, Gary And then, uh, Nicky Ryan's got a match coming up At, uh, Polaris 8 When, uh, craig jones competes against blue hair keenan
0: yeah um who's who's Nicky ryan taking on do you know iminari oh really interesting yeah i yeah, mean the dude's 17 years old and he's already uh you know a purple belt under danaher and he's already tapping out grown grown men who've been grappling their entire life so uh really a special talent there and you know keenan uh He's got blue hair Yeah Who'd you say he's taking on? Craig Jones Oh yeah That'll be a great match Uh, I've never seen the I'm sure they've gone against One another before I don't think I've watched them though Uh, Is that Nogi? Yeah 205 pound Polaris title yeah, the, the we uh, I talked about it with uh, Gary on my last podcast. And we talked about Jujitsu. There's all of a sudden there's so many great jiu-jitsu promotions out there. You know, there's uh, Chasan and Submission Underground. There's Polaris. There's Quintet, and of course there's the, you know Abu Dhabi IBJJF. Which, fight to win. Yeah, fight to win. That's another good one. Uh, Ebi. Yeah, you can just keep going on with the the, the names. You get the flow grappling and fight pass are just uh, exploding with content from jiu-jitsu now. So that's a very very uh, you know bright spot to see in the sport. Uh, just getting as much exposure as possible, and uh, you know I'm really looking forward to the next quintet. I don't know if that's even announced yet, but that that should be uh, insane.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about quintet. They're crazy. I would like that. Would be cool to be a part of one of them
0: yeah for sure and I maybe even see like smaller promotions adapt that that same that same format with uh, five you know, people that'd yeah, be pretty cool yeah with the weight class and uh unfortunately yeah, the only only problem about it is no no heel hooks um but I understand the rule set because uh you have multiple multiple matches in one night and you know you could heel hooks could make it a little ugly but of course it it, it definitely is like censoring the the jiu game a little bit
1: oh for sure but it's uh it's, it's probably necessary I mean you get a do everything
0: else besides two moves it's not the end of the world yeah but you just gotta adapt your game otherwise but uh honestly it take i i thought it would maybe take a little bit away from uh gordon ryan last last uh tournament but man he, he just ran through everybody and made it look easy like you said triangle josh barnett with uh you know made it look made it look easy and he
1: uh arm barred shaolin rear naked choked another guy he, he just kind of dominated everybody yeah i thought it was kind of unfair that uriah Faber came up to him but it's kind of funny that he did and uh gordon also just won the nogi pans he submitted everybody but uh ibjjf didn't didn't show him any love even though he's a world champ it's just kind of funny he had to pay to compete and he's an abu dhabi champ just shows
0: how like weird the ibjjf scene really is <clears throat> yeah, I think that the jiu-jitsu is moving away from IBJJF. Uh, you know, it's, it's outgrowing it. It's, you know, everybody knows how, like, arcane it is. You know, Keenan obviously uh uh seemed like he got robbed in his last uh, – his last uh, IBJJF tournament too a lot of uh, question about that so luckily we're moving towards uh, submission submission only and uh, even if they are uh, by decision or by points they, uh, they're they they're modifying the system with the EBI rules and everything to make it more exciting yeah for sure
1: and uh Keenan kind of did get not kind of he got full blown robbed uh, I don't really see how he lost that match but uh you know, next time we we'll just say you gotta finish everybody
0: in in the uh, regulation. Don't leave it to the judges, as they say. Yep, it goes. It happens in all combat sports, you know. Home field advantage. That's a unfortunate part of the sport, but uh, but it was
1: in America, dude. And Keenan's an American. That's fucked up.
0: Yeah, but was it in Brazil?
1: Nah, no. Nah, i pretty. Nah, they don't do them in Brazil anymore. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's all in America.
0: Yeah, I wonder why. In Europe, yeah. All right, well, uh, that's been enough of uh, Jiu-Jitsu Talk. We actually you know, have to g- get going ourselves. We're going to be ro- rolling a little bit here in the next few minutes, so got to get down to the match and stretch. And, Jim, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, my man. It's been a pleasure having you. We cl- cl- clicked really well, and the uh, conversation got flowing nice. So thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me, dude.
0: Yep, hope to have you back in the future, man. Yes, sir. All right, just want to thank my guest, Jim, for uh – joining the martian mma podcast one more time it was great sitting down with him discussing the boxing fight and the ufc pay-per-view and a little bit of jujitsu to top things off uh you know having the in-person podcast is is a lot of fun it flows a lot better than uh, doing them digitally and i think you'll be able to tell that from listening so uh, i hope you all enjoyed the episode of Martian Mixed Martial Arts this week, uh, the one year anniversary again. Just want to sincerely thank every single one of you people who are listening to the podcast each and every week, and uh, you guys are uh, mean a lot to me. And uh, it's been a great, great time uh, recording the podcast. And uh, cheers to another year at Martian MMA. So, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious beings tuning into the podcast, thank you for tuning in into episode forty-three, and I will catch you guys next week before UFC. Milwaukee. Peace.